0: Good morning. Thank you for coming out on such a rainy day, huh? We need this rain. I'm glad for it. They say it's maybe going to turn into a little bit of snow tonight. I don't know what you think about that, but for me this is why I moved to Virginia, so I could avoid that snow. <clears throat> it's good to have you here with us. Uh also want to welcome those who are downstairs, uh, as I affectionately call the dungeon dwellers down at F3. Those who are online too, and um, just good to be together, isn't it? As we are Kind of taking this month and looking at the whole story of Christmas, um, <clears throat> I want to start out here with a verse that we are going to be using the entire time, just to get our minds going in this. Um, <clears throat> my wife was uh, reading a devotional for me last week, and um, excuse me, <clears throat> and uh, that author in there said something to the effect, anyways, of uh, come on, I'm gonna wrestle with this here. He said, familiarity um, robs us of the awesomeness of this story. And how we kind of like get used to so much that uh, it becomes a dull thing for us. I'm not trying to call you out here, but think about the songs that we've just been reading or uh, singing. And uh, what happened as you sang those. Quite often I find for myself anyways unless it's a song that I've never heard before, if it's something I grew up with, I go into a bit of a mechanical mode. I find myself just kind of singing the words and not paying attention to them. And to me, that's an example of what he's talking about. The awesomeness that God himself came in the flesh. You think about that. The awesomeness of the fact that he was conceived without a father, You think about that. All of the grandeur of the moment where angels are singing or uh, announcements are made, people are coming, just this whole thing, uh, we are often robbed of that awe. And uh, I think what happens then as a result of that is our gaze moves on to something else. And what we gaze on or what we behold is ultimately what we worship. So if we've allowed familiarity to to kind of become make that dull for us and and we begin to move on to something else we begin to worship that and I want to talk with you today about this whole concept so that our hearts are um, maybe realigned again as we think about this story of Christmas. Here in John This is what he says. He says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I love this verse. I've been reading it over and over again and thinking about it, and I love this phrase right there, we beheld his glory. Obviously, when John is talking about this, he's meaning that we were right there with him, and we saw some things. I'm sure there was the mundane for them too. I'm sure that there were times when they were walking from one place to the next and it was just hot and they were hungry or thirsty and it was just all part of the regularity of what they were doing. But then there were things that were said, moments when they heard him speak in such a way that um, this idea of being full of grace and truth, they were able to nod their heads, yep, there it is again. This is the Savior, isn't he? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, is what Peter called him. Constantly coming back to see who he is. Hopefully, as we go through uh, our study, we're going to, in a sense, behold his glory too. Now, we've been talking about five phrases or words that we find in the Christmas story that are, they kind of just leap out at us. Last week, we talked about that phrase, do not be afraid. We learned that um, God actually said this four times in the Christmas story. You remember that? Zacharias, the, the father of John the Baptist, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds, each time telling them, do not be afraid, here's what's happening, and he tells a message, great joy, <clears throat> and we learned as we went through that, at least in part, that that uh, do not be afraid is telling us to make a choice, not to be afraid, to not allow it to have its impact on our lives. I find this uh, happening in my life every day. I find it happening right now, to just be honest with you. It is very possible for me to be able to uh, want to speak on these things and wonder what you're going to think about them and be concerned about that. And my buddy Bob right over there, he doesn't even know I'm talking about him because he's there he got me now. <laughs> He's counting. Bob was here last night. And Bob walks up to me. I don't even know. Um, I think the Spirit of God just put his elbow right in his ribs and said, Bob, go talk to him. And Bob says, Tim, that was awesome last night. He said, I think that was the best one I've ever heard. So the bar is set today, right? Like, but I just, I so appreciated that. It was just the kindness of the Lord to say, you know what, son? It doesn't really matter what you do. What matters is what I do, and I have the privilege of speaking into hearts, and right away then I am uh, faced with this choice of do not be afraid, and will I respond to what the Spirit of God is saying in that, and that's just how it happens day after day, right, for all of us, just giving you an example of that. Well, today, we're going to talk about the word blessed, blessed. Now, we see this in a number of places um, in Scripture There are at least two Greek words that our English translation translates with the word blessed. And I want you to just know something about this because it's going to be a little bit of the foundation of of what we're going to then get into. The first word, we get our word uh, eulogy or to eulogize from. okay, And, And we know a little bit about that because when we have a funeral, we have people who come up and they share something about that person who passed away. Uh, you see on the screen there it means to speak well of, and that's what we do, right? We we relate some aspect of that person. Maybe it was character, maybe it was a, a, a an episode of their life, something that brings delight when we just remember those things, right? We eulogize, we speak well of, and whenever this word is used by God towards people. It is where God is conferring a benefit upon them. So this word is actually going to be used for Mary. This is where we're going to see this, okay? Both these words actually are used for Mary. And he's conferring a benefit upon her. The second word that we have... I'll try that again. There we go. The second word, I love this um, uh, definition that's given. It always signifies... A happiness produced by some experience of God's favor it always signifies a happiness produced by some experience of God's favor we're gonna again see this Mary is going to describe this about herself even and it's specially conditioned by the revelation of grace grace is tucked into this now I'll tell you that wherever a blessing is given it is always in the realm of grace. That's where it actually fits. Let me show you something here. You're familiar with this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, in the context of this, this is, we've already seen this on the screen, this is where, where Gabriel shows up to Mary, and this is what he says to her. "'Having come in, the angel said to her, "'Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women.'" I want to highlight that phrase first, highly favored one. That word literally means to be endowed with grace. It's actually only found two times in all of Scripture. We're going to look at both of them today. But did you see what the um, definition, especially conditioned by the revelation of grace? You see, here's what I think that when we fail to realize that what God has provided for us, the blessing that he has provided for us, when we fail to realize that, and we fail to recognize that it is something that is of grace, it is bestowed upon us, not because we've ever earned it, but because the giver of it values us in such a way that he gives this to us. When, When we fail to realize that, I believe that that directly impacts our worship of God. But the more that we understand this particular truth, the more out of our hearts comes this worship of God. That's what we've been doing already this morning. As these words of these songs have been uh, sung by us, they're reminding us of the things that God has done. So here, Gabriel says to her, Rejoice! highly favored one the one who's been endowed with grace now just so you know this is not unique it seems to be because as we read it in the christmas story it's pointed right towards her but you just tuck this away because when we see it the second time you're going to find out it's it's also for you and i so let's just keep that in mind but he says highly favored one the lord is with you blessed are you among women And there we begin to see this first time. In other places in regards to Mary, this same word is used. You want to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Let's just read this real quick. Luke chapter 1, I want you to see this, verse 42. So the context is that Mary is pregnant three months And her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. She's about ready to give birth. She's in her nine month. And Mary shows up. It's not one of these things where she got on the phone and said, Hey Elizabeth, I heard you're pregnant. I'm pregnant too. Can I come see you? Let's just like just do a girl thing kind of a deal. You know, we won't bring Joe with me, just you and I. Like that didn't happen. She didn't come to the door. And push the little button that's lit up, and it goes ding, ding, and oh, someone's at the door. Who could that be? She came to the home, and she called out. She spoke. I don't know exactly what was said. Maybe something like, Elizabeth, are you home? It's me, Mary. I've come to visit you. And this is what the Scripture says. It says, um... Verse 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I just got to tell you here something. I don't want to take time on this, but the babe leaped in her womb. Do you know what that means? That means that the baby in her womb heard, recognized, and responded to what that baby heard. You let that sink in in our day and age and what we think of children in the womb. But it says in verse 42, she, well, end of verse 41, filled with the Holy Spirit. So she's speaking things that the Spirit of God wants her to say. And she says in verse 42, then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then if you just skip down then to verse 45... She also says the same... She says, blessed is she who believed. Do you remember when we looked last week at Mary and Zacharias and we compared those two? Do you remember the difference between them was that Mary believed and Zacharias didn't? Even though what God was going to do with both of them... With Zacharias, he was going to give a son. With Mary, he was going to give a son. But Zacharias said, this can't be. I'm too old. How can that be? Mary said, how can that be... I'm a virgin. I've never been with a guy. How can this be? But the difference between them was that Mary then believed. And that's what she's referring to in this verse. And she says, blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Only six months away from that. And then in verse 48, if you jump down, starting in verse 46, Mary then begins this song, this poetic song, and in verse 48, this is what she says For he, God, has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. That's what, in other words, Mary is recognizing that what Elizabeth is telling her and, and, and what the angel has told her, that that's going to happen. She has confidence in that. She believes what God says, and that's going to affect the rest of her life. I would say, I would agree with all of this, that Mary was truly blessed. And I would say it was all of grace. Notice in that verse she says, your maidservant. In other words, I'm not somebody. I'm just, I'm just a lowly maidservant. Lord, I'm just here for you to use in whatever way you want, right? Not, not, not some grand, oh, you're the, you're the great duchess of such and such, right? Like none of that kind of stuff. Just a humble individual, and the grace of God, highly favored, being bestowed upon her. You think about this for a minute. She is now pregnant with a child. We've already seen with Elizabeth that it says that she was barren, right? We know that with Zacharias that they had been praying and asking the Lord, and we know that they had gotten despondent because they hadn't received a child And in their society, that was negative for them. All you have to do is go back into the Old Testament, study out a woman named Hannah, study out a woman named Sarah. You'll find these are women who for a long time couldn't get pregnant and then finally were able to as a gift from God. And they give you this sense, this understanding of their culture of of how important that was to them. Mary was already blessed. Now she knew she was pregnant. Secondly, she had a son. I'm not trying to be, you know, biased as far as gender is concerned, but the, but the uh, Old Testament said any male child who opened the womb, you were supposed to take that child to the temple and offer a sacrifice on behalf of that. So now she's not only privileged to be pregnant, but she's privileged to be pregnant with a son. She knows this. She's been told this long before ultrasounds ever came on the scene, right? No, no uh, pop in the balloon and is it pink or blue? She knows, blue, that's what this is. So, so in her world, she's already blessed. But it's more than that, right? We know, and she knew, it's the Savior of the world. You think about that. Clear back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after the sin of Adam and Eve, God says that he is going to send one of the seed of the woman to crush the serpent's head. Do you remember that? It's going to be the seed of the woman. And Eve, actually, when she has her child, she wonders, I wonder if this is the one. He's not. And down through the centuries, all of these women are thinking this, and all of them would have a desire of heart to be this one, to be chosen to be the the Christ-bearer. Mary has that opportunity. It is a unique position. No one will ever repeat it, right? It's only for her. She's the only one. But it's not just there. It just doesn't stop there. Think about this. You you talk about an easy child, this one born to her. Now, as other children are born and and there's interactions with them, you know how you parents are, right? Like sometimes you try to figure out what's going on here between my kids and and who's causing the trouble. Sometimes we don't care. We just want it all to end, right? It's quiet. That's what we're looking for, right? But we try to figure this out. When I was a kid, we would sit. Uh, there, I had um, six kids in my family, and, and three of us would sit in the back seat. And, uh, you know, it was always when we would go on a trip, it would be like, I got dibs, you know, to the door. And I got dibs to the other door. And then, oh, man, I'm stuck in the middle. I always got stuck in the middle. And you had to sit there. You know, it's like being on an airplane when everybody steals the, the, the uh, armrest and you're stuck in the middle seat. It's like that kind of a thing. And then we, after a while, we'd be like, Mom, he's touching me. Stop touching him, Tim. Stop being a pain to him. Mom, he's touching me again, right? Like, like Mary never had to go like, Jesus, now you stop touching him. <laughs> never had to do any of that kind of stuff. When, when there was something going on and there was a discrepancy in their stories, she never went, hmm, I wonder who's telling me the truth. Lord, how do I figure this one out? She just kind of looked at all the others and went like, yeah, it's not him, let me tell you, right? Like, what a way to raise a kid. I would stop right there. Wouldn't you? We're not messing this one up. Blessed woman. She has the wonderful privilege of being called mom by the Christ. Moms, do you remember when your children used that word? Sue and I, we always kind of, I always thought my kids said dad first. That was their first word. She always claimed they said mom first. Why? Because there's something precious about that, right? that phrase, that word comes out of their mouth, and it sounds really garbled, but you're sure it's mom, right? You'll take it. She had the privilege of watching him take his first steps, and maybe being there when, when Joseph just kind of like, come on, go to your mom, and here he comes. And she had the privilege of looking at him from time to time, and, and maybe seeing his smile, and realizing that's her smile. You see, he had, he had some of her genes, right? He was made flesh. She she had the precious moments of seeing all of this. So, so blessed. Wouldn't we say that? Wouldn't we agree? She's blessed. (laughs) Maybe not. Think a little bit differently with me for a minute, would you? Let's look at this from a little different perspective. In Luke, Chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, I mentioned to you that the law required that the male who was born would need to be presented in the temple, and this passage tells us of them going up to Jerusalem to fulfill that. They were poor, so they brought a pair of turtle doves. They didn't have a lot of money. Probably this is before the wise men show up with their gold and myrrh, right, frankincense like, so they're poor. And in the temple is a guy named Simeon. And God has revealed to Simeon that he's not going to die until he sees the Christ. And the Spirit of God kind of nudges him, and you need to go to the temple today. And lo and behold, Mary and Joseph show up with Jesus, and he sees him. And he's enthralled, and he says, Lord, now I can depart, because now I've, it's been fulfilled. I've seen him. He knows what he's looking at. And then he gives a blessing to Joseph and Mary, and this is where we pick it up. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel." He's going to speak some things now that are, that are really important. We don't have time to go into them in detail, but, but there's going to be those who are going to fall, who, who think they're so grand, but they're going to fall. And there's going to be those who are going to rise, who, who are so in, in humility, like, like, like very contrite. They're going to rise. <clears throat> and for a sign which will be spoken against, that there's going to be... This actually is intense that continues to this very day. You talk to people about Jesus, and he's going to be spoken against, right? In fact, that's normally the prevalent way. And it's in that context of him being spoken against that there's this little parenthesis. Notice this. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also and then he goes on, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is going to be happening so that, so that what's going on in the heart is going to be shown. And in the middle of all of this, he just makes a little bit of a prediction, a little bit of a prophecy, and he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul. That causes a little bit of consternation. That causes, a, like, wait, 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 I thought I was blessed. Doesn't Doesn't bless me, well, everybody, we know this, right? Like, in our society, when someone is doing well financially, we say, well, my word, the Lord is blessing that person, right? Isn't it interesting that when someone is having difficulties financially, we never say, boy, the Lord is blessing that person. We never say that. Because we have a criteria in mind that determines for us whether this is true. What did Mary do in this moment? Wait, wait. What did you just say? A sword in my soul? Like that sounds pretty deep. That sounds pretty invasive. That sounds pretty damaging. That doesn't sound like blessed to me. Oh, but it's it's just a pass. Maybe I'll just move on from there. <laughs> well, in Matthew chapter two, verse thirteen, it tells us that uh, after the wise men had come. And in a dream we're told, don't return back the way that you came, right? Do you remember this? Herod is seeking after this child, don't go back that way. And in the night, Joseph is told, you take her and you take the child and you flee to Egypt. And it's in the middle of the night that they're traveling down country. And I wonder again if she thought, what happened? Where's blessed? What kind of blessed is this? Why Why am I fleeing for my very life? only to maybe hear that behind us, every male child under two years of age is being slaughtered in that town because Herod is looking for the child. And so off they go to Egypt, only for a little bit to return then and to come back to Nazareth and to dwell there. It tells us when the disciples were being chosen, one of them said, when he was told that I found the Messiah and he's from Nazareth, they're like, what? From Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Are you kidding me? That's where you live? That's on the other side of the tracks, right? Blessed? We're living in this dumpy town called Nazareth? Are you kidding me? Then in Mark chapter 3, jumping ahead into the Lord's ministry, he's in a home and he's teaching and it's pretty packed and they say, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside. They're here for you. He doesn't even acknowledge them. He actually says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? You are my mother and my brothers. And if you study that out, what you find out is mom and brothers were all concerned that the stress of this whole ministry focus that the Lord was on was kind of getting to him and that he needed rest and that maybe he was going a little bit wonky. And so we need to go get him and we need to bring him back and kind of take care of him. A little bit of a mom's heart, right? You can understand that. Have you eaten? Kind of a thing, right? So no wonder he doesn't even acknowledge her. He doesn't even come out. He doesn't even talk to her. He doesn't even say, Mom, you got it wrong. Mom, you need. No, he just in a passive way rebukes her. And some of you moms know what that's like, right? You raise this child, and, and as they become teenagers, they, you know, that, that scrungy disease takes over, and all of a sudden they're, they're saying things that, I hate you, and you're going, what? Like, blessed? How could, how could she be thinking in this moment, I'm blessed? And then all the way in John chapter 19, it actually tells us the fulfillment of this. She's standing there by the cross, and here's her son being crucified. And the Lord looks down and says, John, there's your mom. You take care of her. Mom, there's your son. He's going to look after you. And there, the soul is pierced with the sword, watching this. Would you conclude blessed at that time? On what basis? What decides the matter for you? How are you going to decide whether she's blessed or not? circumstances or word of God what's going to control that what if I told you you were blessed do you know that and and what would convince you like what would be the evidence what would be the proof of that would you need an angel to show up and say blessed are you (laughs) right would you need a cousin to like hey you're blessed before you, like Mary, says, well, I'm blessed, and all, all these women will call me blessed. She caught it. And I think that it affected her when she was going through life, even at Calvary. I think she knew this. She allowed that truth to impact the way that she lived. So what decides the matter for us? What criteria does that? Well, I think the Lord kind of took a stab at this a little bit. If you want to turn, Luke chapter 11, he says something here that I want you to get. And he's beginning to maybe jab at this concept that I'm talking about of you and I being blessed too. And what that might mean to us. It's in a context where he's, where he's cast out a demon And the people there, some of them at least, are saying, you're doing that under Satan's power. And so there's a bit of a tiff going on. And out of all of this, this woman shouts out. And it says, it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed nursed you. Guess what? That's a fulfillment, not the only one, but that's a fulfillment of what Mary has already said. Women are going to rise. They're going to call me blessed. And here's one doing that, right, before our eyes. This is only a number of years down the road. Mary's still alive at this particular time. And the Lord, he answers, he responds, but he said, more than that. Now, notice in that phrase, he's not saying, oh, she wasn't blessed. No, he's acknowledging it. We're seeing what the word of God says that she's blessed, and, and he's acknowledging it. More, but he says, More than that. Well, that's good. But let me tell you something that's better. Maybe, can I say even more blessed? Would that be a proper? More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Do you have the word of God? Some of you have it in your hands. You're, you, you, you've got it open. I've got it on the screen for you. You can open your, your phone and probably find multiple versions. And if you don't have an app, then you just go on the internet and you just, you just dial it in, right? Like it's all there. You've you got the Word of God. Do you know that there are people in this world who don't have the Word of God? So you're already blessed. Case closed. <clears throat> but not only that, you, not only do you have the Word of God, but you have the opportunity, what does it say, to keep it. Have you ever been reading the Word of God, and you've needed maybe some encouragement or some direction or something like that, and as you've been reading through, all of a sudden, it's like it comes alive. It's like God is speaking directly to you. It's like, how did he know that that's what I was thinking, right? And there it is. And he just speaks so quietly to your heart, child, this is what you need to be thinking about right here. Oh, wow. Wow or have you as years have gone by and you've been just in the word and and responding to it have you seen in your own life growth a change happening so that maybe as you look back on life you see so much self-centeredness and now you're seeing more god-centeredness oh not perfect but but a but a movement in that direction right so much so that that you're wanting to respond even to the Lord. And, and there are things like the scripture says, blessed are the givers, right? Rather than the receivers. And you're learning what that's what that's about, right? And so you're seeing, you're seeing that the word of God is having an impact on you. It's affecting the way that you live. This is what the Lord is saying. That's you're blessed. You, you fall into that category, is what you do. It's not just for Mary, in other words. Yes, yeah, she was but so are you. She believed it, and it affected the way that she lived. So my question is, is, do we believe it, and does it affect the way that we live? Some of us believe it like, yeah, I'm blessed. <laughs> are you kidding me? Of course I'm blessed. Why wouldn't I be blessed, right? You know what? That's not mixed with grace. That's actually not what the Word of God is talking about. You see, when we recognize that the blessing that we have is by grace, it brings a humility is what it does. Produces in the heart a heart of worship because we're not deserving of it. We're not expectant. ah, well, yeah, right? We recognize, man, God, you are amazing because this is what you have poured out on me. You've given us your word. And your spirit within us to keep it. To actually follow after it. And I'm seeing growth in my life. I'm here to tell you it doesn't end there. Why Why does it matter? Because of worship. When our heart's attention is on Him, we magnify Him. We adore Him. These are... These are words that we sing about, right? Some of them we've already used this morning. We've already talked about these things. Because our hearts are taken up with him. It matters because he is worth worship. i got to show you this just in a couple minutes. In Ephesians, there we go, chapter 1, verse 3. This is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you know that? You've been blessed. Notice that's past tense. He has blessed us. It's already happened. You might not be aware of that. Now that you're aware of it, do you believe it? Is it true? Let me ask you another question. Do you value it? Like, is it, is it valuable for you? Or is it kind of like, eh, so what? What? Right? No, something is... Look at this. This is spiritual blessing. It says, in the heavenly places. That means that these blessings have their origin in heaven. They don't have their origin in the earth, in other words. and So when you say you're being blessed by God, and you're thinking money, guess what? That is a thing of the earth. That's not a thing of heaven. You're going to walk on gold up there. <laughs> Who cares about the shekels you got in your pocket right now then, right? That's not so important to us unless our adoration is on the things of this world. And that's what we value, and then that's what we worship, right? But here he's saying, I'm going to tell you something. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and all of this is in Christ. It's all because of the Savior. It's all because of this one whose birth we're celebrating. It's because of him that these blessings are true about you, and they're all of grace. Let me show you this. Just jumping down a few verses to verse 6. Paul has started out, and he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. And he begins to list some of them out. And by the time we get to verse 6, this is what he says. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which, grace, he made us accepted in the beloved. And that's the exact same phrase that the angel used for Mary when he called her highly favored. Do you see it? Our English translation uses different words, doesn't it? It says, he made us accepted. That literally is he bestowed grace upon us. That's what he did. How did that happen? In the Beloved. It's capital B because it's talking about the same Savior, the Beloved. You and I, in the realm of grace, have blessing. And that blessing, in part, is that he's bestowed grace upon us. How incredible is that? So so when we look at Mary and we go, oh, she's so wonderful. Oh, my word, it's great. You know, no. Well, she is. I don't mean, no, that's not true. I just mean, no, that's not just the sum of it. There's more to it. Every one of us, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in him for your salvation and celebrating the birth of the Christ, this is true about you. Already. And guess what it does? It frees the heart up to adore him. I'll quit with this. I wanted to write this down so I got it. Come on. Can you move that slide for me? Go ahead. Who's there? There we go. Ah, There we go. That's what we wanted. When in grace we realize that we've been blessed, and to what extent we've been blessed, worship pours forth. Read that again. When in grace, see there's an understanding of grace, we realize that we've been blessed. And even to what extent. It's not that he's just blessed us, but he's freely bestowed all of that upon us. He's poured it out, in fact. Every spiritual blessing is ours. And so, as that wells up within us, worship pours out. And we come to that, back to that verse again. The word became flesh. He already has come and dwelt among us. Do you realize that he is still dwelling among us? Did you know that? The Spirit of God is living out the life of Christ in your mortal body and in mine. He's, our, he's still dwelling with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And we beheld His glory. That's what you and I get to do. Hopefully, through all five weeks of December, we are going to continue to just behold his glory. Oh, we can't see him walking around like John did. But as we read about these things and as we think about them, we're awed. Once again, the wonder of it all comes back, doesn't it? Once again, we we realize this is amazing stuff. But it speaks of an amazing person, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's what he is. And we get the privilege throughout this month to just constantly rehearse that and think that and worship him. Let's pray. Father, (laughs) you astound us. Almost, Father, in comparison to like when we think of our own frailty as humans and how easy it is for familiarity to rob us of the wonder, when we stop and we think about you and your spirit just illuminates more and more of who He is to us. Ah, the story is so precious, it's so amazing. The details are like we we want to get down into those lord we want we want to drink it all we don't even want to miss a little tidbit of it how marvelous of you bringing your son into this world in the way that you did thank you so much for that thank you for blessing us we we are a people who are blessed your son did not come to die for angels They weren't made in his image. He didn't come here to die for the animals of this world. He came to die for us. And so begins the journey. Father, help us to see those things more and more in a fresh way because we want to truly worship you in appreciation. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.